We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Philippians 3, 17 to 20. Let's look at it quickly. No pick up from there. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk. Remember this? As you have us for a pattern. Remember that? 18, we're going to 20. For many walk of whom I've told you often and now I tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. It's clear how Paul defines an enemy of the cross. One whose God is their belly. So anyone who preaches anything, sings anything, prophesies anything with material acquisition in mind is an enemy of the cross. Let's see verse 19 again, the TPT. Doom awaits them. Their God has possessed them and made them mute. Their boast is in their shameful lifestyles. And their minds are in the dirt. So if anyone prophesies for his belly, prophesies for what they will gain, prophesy, like we were saying last week, about giving. And about telling people that um, in order to get what God has freely given, they must give into it. Sow into it. Such people are referred to as enemies of the cross. Because the message of the cross is clear. The free gift. You know how we always, we always stop at the wages of sin is death. This is what the Romans 6.23, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift cancels out the wages. You deserve the wages of sin. He took the wages of sin and he gave you the gift of God, which is eternal life. That's the message of the cross. Any departure from that makes such a person an enemy of the cross. Hallelujah. So we looked at Philippians 3 and 17 to 20 last week. We left it off there. Um, and we'll just pick up from there today. I said over and over that it's a season of heightened growth and maturity. The Lord is stretching us in many, many fronts. And and uh, it's important that we don't get caught up in confessing and declaring. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the reality of our work with God is over and above confessing and declaring. If you compare, you would rarely find how many times the apostles, Paul, Peter, and John, told the churches to confess who they are in Christ. Did you hear what you said? To, to, to declare, to say who you are in Christ, to profess. There's a couple of scriptures that talks about the profession of our faith. Holding actually talks about holding fast to the profession. And even that is not profession, it's not rendered verbal speaking. But it's more correctly rendered the conviction of your faith. 
that takes that out. There's another one in Romans 10 that talks about confessing Christ. And again, confessing there is not just, it's not saying. It's acknowledging Christ. This is work that you should go and do, study by yourself. The same word confess or profess is also used by John when he says confess your sins to one another. It doesn't necessarily mean, go, you know, I, I come to confess to you. It, it talks about the word confess in the Greek refers to acknowledging. Does that make sense? So if you, if you acknowledge him with your mouth and confess and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. Or you will be saved. So confession does not necessarily mean a verbal expression of something. And because of this, then it begins to make sense to you how that the, the apostles did not always tell the church to speak. They instead reminded the church to be. There is more active instructions to the believers as to their realities in Christ than there are promptings for them to say those realities. I'll try and look for other words to explain what I just said. There is more emphasis on you knowing and being who you are in Christ than there is on you saying who you are in Christ. So it's, it's all well and good as they say. To say I am. To say to say I am. But the emphasis in the New Testament is not on saying. And I know this will shock somebody who has grown up in a church system that always tells you to confess it. Say it. Keep saying it. Don't stop confessing it. Until you become it. But if you check scripture, you will find in the New Testament that there is very, very little emphasis on speaking your in Christ reality. But if you look at it in the light of all you've been reading from the epistles, you realize that there's actually very little emphasis on speaking who you are. There's a lot more emphasis comparatively on acknowledging and therefore being who you are. In other words, your speaking it does nothing for anybody. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, Holy Spirit. You know, there are things that I want to say but I feel like okay, until we get there. You know, because uh, like Paul, you, you say some things and you can preempt the questions that will come. How about faith coming by hearing? Then I will ask you, how many times do you think you need faith to be saved? How many times was faith deployed as the gift of God for your salvation? So we start to look at context, right? Because you're not being saved every day. Your salvation is complete, but it's not yet completed. Do you understand? We are saved. We are, we are being saved. And we shall be saved. All of it, however, is finished. Do you understand? It's done. And just before you think, well, there's a lot of time between when I've been saved and when I'm going to completely be saved. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit as a deposit. So you can hold this Holy Spirit as your assurance, your receipt that I am forever saved. And when the enemy comes, you show him the receipt and the advance payment that God gave you. And unlike you that will give your wristwatch or your phone or your land, God give you God as deposit. Do you understand? This is my vow 
that I have saved you to the uttermost, pending when it's going to be cast out. Holy Spirit, seal this one. So God is obligated to God, by God, to complete what he started in your life. Does that make sense? So the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that the Son will deliver me to him. The Holy Spirit is the Father's guarantee in me that Jesus the Son will present me to him the Father faultless. Do you understand? That's what it means to have him as a guarantee. I went into this to explain to you that speaking doesn't do anything for anybody around. It, what, what, what begins to change things? Being. Because we can keep saying, I am going to go. 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 And you've never gone. Is that not so? I'm hungry. 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 At a point, I will answer you. I am Alexander. Nice to meet you. Because at, at this point, all you're doing is introducing yourself. I am hungry. I am hungry. I am hungry. I am Caleb. Nice to meet you. Because by the time you are significantly hungry, you will go and eat. Or you remember who to call to go and eat. You do something about it. If you're sleepy, by the time you're really sleepy, you will not be able to say, I am sleepy. By the time you are sleepy, sir, you have slept. Is that not so? So it's not in the speaking. It's in the doing. Do you understand what I'm saying now? So the message of the gospel in your mouth is not effective among those that know it in the absence of your corresponding action. The message of the gospel in your mouth to those that know, those around you, without your corresponding action. Peter tells them that they should mind how they live so that even those who do not believe can see them and glorify the Father. Make sense? I'm saying this to highlight the importance of this series. Imitate. That you grow away from. That's why you can be in a compound and either you or your neighbor can wake up at 4 a.m. and start praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, and we can hear him from the stadium. As long as there's light, it's like they are, the whole compound must pray with them or inside them because they are praying. And on many such occasions, that person, that proponent of that, does not have a corresponding Christ-like lifestyle. They are the same people that will fight you. Same people. And then after they finish fighting, they will tell you, I will pray. Against, I will pray. Every enemy in my life by fire. Because such people are never wrong. Have you noticed? Such, such those kind of Christians, they are never, there's nothing you can tell them for them to believe that they are the ones in the wrong. Them as righteous and as oligosized as they are. You can't even tell them that they are making noise. You are canal to tell them they are making noise. If it's a church, the church will conclude you are persecuting them. Meanwhile, it's the church persecuting the whole community. So because you have all night, we should not sleep. So it's ungodly for the streets to not be able to sleep because of a church. We have not so learned Christ. So your message could be right if at all it is. That's a story for another day. 
And then your delivery method is annoying. Friends will come home. Woe to him by whom it comes. <laughs> so you're disturbing the who you want to pray. Everybody in your compound must wake up. They can't why are they sleeping when I'm praying to Almighty God. And in because if you have a lifestyle that is consistent with the Spirit of Christ, you'll not even be such a nuisance in the first place. You won't. You won't be such a nuisance. So there has to be a corresponding lifestyle to the message that is in our mouth. We cannot be just verbal believers. Because there's so much God is working in you that he's also keen to work out of you to the measure that you allow him. Do you understand what I've just said? There's so much God is working in you that he's also keen to work out of you to the measure that you let him. And you come into that by imitation. By following a pattern that has been set before you. Can we go from there today? So we start to look at a few things in the life of Jesus. In the life of the apostles. As the pattern Paul mentioned in Philippians 3.17. Are patterns that we should emulate. That's what imitation is, right? We'll look at the authority of Jesus. How they handled authority. Jesus and the apostles. We'll look at how Jesus and the apostles handled privilege. We'll look at how they handled submission. Because they had their own will. They had their own mind. They had their own preferences. Right? We'll look at how they handled adversity. Not today. In the series. We'll look at how Jesus and the apostles handled generosity. How they handled emotions. How they handled persecution. How they handled betrayal. How they handled ministry. And then we'll look at how they handled the church. Their attitude to the church. And we'll look at their attitude to worship. So can we look at authority today? What's the word for authority? Exousia. What does it mean? Ability to exercise power. Yeah? As different from power dynamic. From which you get derivatives. Yeah? So it's the ability conferred upon someone to exercise power. Make sense? If a soldier goes out and is given a shoot to kill order, it's not at the point of giving, being given that order that the soldier learns how to kill. Does that make sense? So the soldier had the skill. He's been trained to shoot to kill. But at the point the order is given, the order enables him to carry out what he's capable of carrying out. That's the difference between power and authority. So you can have, you may have power, but not have the authority to exercise it. Does that make sense? If you attack somebody outside, it's called manslaughter. If somebody comes into your house to threaten your life and you kill him, it's called self-defense. Before any kind of law anywhere in the world, even if it's a potter used to break your head, if you came into my house to threaten my safety and my family's safety, there's no, li- no limit to the length I can go to protect myself and my family. Self-preservation. At that point, that equipped me with the authority to carry out something that I probably didn't even know I could do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Anybody can stand in the road and conduct traffic. 
But not everybody has the authority to do that. Make sense? Okay, so authority is a conferred authorization or delegated empowerment to do something specific, right? Specific. Power and authority. We learned that sometimes the words are used interchangeably, even though they are distinct. Power and authority. God has all authority. If somebody confers authority on somebody else, it means that the person conferring the authority has a, an even greater authority. Make sense? So all authority in the earth, in the heavens, are God's. Make sense? There is no host that he is not Lord of. If he's Lord of hosts, he's Lord of all the hosts. Hmm? Heaven's hosts, earth's hosts, angelic hosts, use flash, demonic host. They know who their boss is. He's Lord of all, he has all authority. All authority. There's no way he will not have authority to exercise over anything he created. So everything God created is subject to his authority. Right? There's that scripture I love. Psalm 113 from verse 4. Psalm 113 from verse 4. The Lord is high above how many nations? His glory above the heavens. But um, he lives in heaven, no? But his glory is above the heavens. And then you begin to see how the next verse will show you how it is humility for you to even find God to heaven. Is God being humble? Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high? He dwells where? Not heaven. Oh. Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? He dwells on high, wherever that high is, only in no. But he humbles himself to behold heaven. He's humbling himself. So when Jesus said, our father who art in heaven, that heaven, that art in heaven, is God exercising humility. So God is not asking of you a virtue he does not exhibit. That you are called into humility is because your father is exercising humility. Here is the height of him. He lives on high. And that heaven that you can say his throne is, that you're trying to make. He's humbling himself to behold it. It's when you begin to receive revelation like this that Revelation 21 can make sense to you. Revelation 21 verse 1. Now, the revelator, John. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Now there's a problem if heaven is the address of God and it's passing away ma. and that's the way heaven you want to make I saw a new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and first earth had passed away. See the next one. Also there was no more sea. See verse 2. Then I John saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God new heaven coming out of heaven, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God. So who is the source of heaven? God. Because if you are making heaven, 
and this heaven is passing away. You're on your own. I'm not there with you. Because I ain't about to pass away. <laughs> he didn't save me and go through all of this for me to pass away. So where are we going to be when heaven and earth are passing away? Wherever God is, is where I shall is. And then when you enter this revelation, you stop making your walk with God reduced to geographical destination. That's not the gospel we have been handed down. The gospel of trying to make heaven as a place. That's not the gospel we have been handed down. We made heaven as a person. Ephesians 2, is it 5 or 6? Ephesians 1, God sat him down. Ephesians 2 sat us with him. 6, I was right. Ephesians 2, 6. And raised us up together. Somebody say together. Together means with him. Hmm? And made us sit together. In the heavenly places is not in the original translation. In the heavenlies, but even if you say heavenly places, where are the heavenly places located? So if you want to geotag heaven, you know what it means to geotag heaven? You have to go into Christ Jesus to geotag heaven. That if you're going to pinpoint it like in your maps, you're going to pinpoint heaven. It is inside Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the container of that system called heaven. Not of a place called heaven. The place is called Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus consists the system called heaven. So a physical place can be wiped away and nothing spoiled. Do you understand? God dwells on high. Wherever that place is, that's where I am dwelling. That is how when God is wiping away heaven, I am safe in him, in Christ Jesus. So we will all be there somewhere in the matrix of God, seeing heaven and earth pass away and seeing him bring a fresh earth and then re-inject us into that earth that he might be with us. So he humbles himself, Psalm 113, to behold the heavens and the earth. He created it all. He has absolute authority. Absolute is it absolute? Absolute. Don't let anybody ever get you to believing that there's any authority that exists outside the remit of God. He holds all authority. All. All authority. It is resident in his nature. He has the right to command and enforce obedience of everything he created. Right? How do we appreciate that authority? The, all the authority of God, the absolute authority of God is vested in the Son. God has all authority. There's no authority that God does not have. Have we established that enough? Everything is within his jurisdiction. How do we see that in play? He vested that authority in the son. So the son, who is the son? Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Hamashiach, is the custodian of all the authority of God. In other words, if God wants to exercise authority, Jesus. Does that make sense? So you can say in a sense that the son is the embodiment 
of the authority of God. Which is not difficult to understand if we know in this house that he is the logos of God. He's the essence of God. He is the wisdom of God. So if God is wise, Christ, remove the son, Christ, from the father. He doesn't have wisdom. That's why in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's why we say Jesus Christ is the explanation of God. Do you understand? So all the authority of the Father is vested in the Son, in Christ. So when Jesus speaks, the Father spoke. Make sense? When Jesus acts, the Father acted. And I'm going ahead of myself a little bit, but if that Son by his spirit has made you a co-heir with him. You see how much authority is available to you. And that is when, when things hit you and you can look at them in the face and say peace. It's not noise. It's authority. So when Jesus acts, he acts with the express backing of the father. Express. Express. If the father can do anything, it is expressed through the son. Are you following me? In other words, there is no difference in quality between the authority of the father and the authority of the son. Do you understand? What God can do, the son can do. What the son can do is God that did. So for those of you that have a God that is killing and killing and killing, if Jesus did not kill, the father does not kill. Can he kill? Yes. Don't insult God. He can kill. He has power too. He has authority too. The question is not can God kill. The question is does God kill. And the, the true nature of God established. Let's us know that he does not. If he does. Jesus should have killed at least once. Imitate. 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 Look at the pattern and follow. Is this making sense for you? If God kills. Jesus should have killed at least once to give us a pattern of God to follow that includes the authority to kill. I repeat, all authority is in God, is of God, is by God, is for God. All. I also repeat, all of that authority of God is vested in the Son, in Christ. So anything Jesus did, does, is doing, will do, is a direct reflection of what God is capable of. It's a direct reflection. So what Jesus did not do, God cannot do. That's why Jesus died and it's the blood of God that purchased you. It would have said the blood of Jesus. Acts 20, 24, yeah? 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he, God, purchased with his own blood. He, God, the blood of God. Jesus died on the cross. Is the blood of God. I was at work. 
Why? Because Jesus is the express expression of the Father. He's not a type of the expression of the Father. He's not a similitude of the expression of the Father. He's the express expression. Jesus is not like the Father. Are you listening to me here? He's not like the Father. He's not a type of the Father. He's not trying to grow up to become the Father. He is the express manifestation of the Godhead. Express. Express. So when Jesus died, it was God that died. Great is the mystery of godliness. You see why they call it a mystery? Great is the mystery without controversy. Great, Paul says, is the mystery of godliness. That's why it doesn't make sense to people. Why would God die? So Paul explains that in Philippians and says he humbled himself to death. You understand now? He humbled himself. Philippians 2 from verse 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. He humbled himself to death. Even the death on the cross. No, but that's why Jesus could stand there boldly and declare, nobody is taking my life from me. I'm the one laying it down. Nobody has the authority to take my life from me. I have the authority to take it down and I have the authority. After I have killed myself, I have the authority. I have authority to die. When I am dead, in my dead state, I have authority to bring myself back to life. Do you understand the import of that statement? I have the right to take my life down. When I've taken it down, I have the right in my dead state. A dead person has the innate authority to bring himself back to life. And he did not faint. He died by himself. He gave it up. He gave up his spirit. Died. After finished dying, brought himself back to life by his spirit. That's why he can look and now, oh, oh, may God open your eyes to appreciate scripture when you read certain scriptures I don't understand how believers can be in church and you are hearing truth and you are just chilling because me there is something that it does to me when Jesus will stand and say death <laughs> where is your sting <laughs> grave <laughs> where is your that is the language that's the nomen- it's mockery you say you have this victory where is it you say you can sting. Where is it? You stung once. You can only kill me. I dropped myself to die once. I died. Where is this thing? When an insect stings you, the insect, especially a bee, actually has a physical anatomical con- uh, component called a sting. The sting is not just what happened to you. The sting is actually a component on the insect. A bee stings only once. Because when it stings you, and it's coming off you, it leaves the sting. So when a bee stings you, it leaves the sting on you, which means the sting detaches from its body. And so a few moments after a bee stings you, it dies. There's no bee that stings and survives. Because when it stings, the sting pulls off. That is the biological explanation for that scripture. Because no Greeks were philosophers. Death, where's your sting? You stung me once. Where's your sting? What else can you do? What can you do? There's nothing you can do. No more. The worst you could do 
Where's your sting? Show me. Grave. Where's your victory? People, they put people into you and they never come out. And you say you won, you have victory. They put me into you. I came out. So, that's your victory. How far? It was derogatory. And until you as a believer start to see it with the way that Christ saw it, there's a level of, of superiorness you will not enter in your work with God. But once your eyes open, you can look at death and say, hey, where's your sting? A believer afraid of death. How? Why? Unto what? When it has lost its sting. Is that understanding Paul has? I says, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. All living is living. That was the understanding that the apostles had. So you never see in the New Testament where they are praying to bind the spirit of death. You don't see it. You don't see where they are binding. Bind, binding spirit has lost its sting. No. If we live, we live to the Lord. Have you seen that scripture in Psalms that says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You are crying, God, why? It's, it is clear why. Oh, God, we can't question you. Says who? Did God ever tell you that? Question him. Just be ready for the answer. He never said you shouldn't question. Oh, we can't question God. Says who? It's Africans that started that nonsense. Oh, who are we to question God? We are sons. No, no, no. We are sons. All we have for our father is questions. Who are we to question God? We are sons. To question God. My name is not Job. Job darkened understanding without counsel. That's not me. Hey, Job 38 verse 1. Who is he? Who is he? Then, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ. It is given unto us to know the things that Job could not have known. So us and God can have a conversation. My name is not Job. No, no, no. We're not darkening counsel, sir, without knowledge. No. In us is the spirit of wisdom, of knowledge, and of understanding. It's in us. The sevenfold spirit of God is in us. No, we ask questions. We just be ready for the answer. Death, where is your sting? He has all authority. The son, he put himself down. He raised himself again. That's how much authority he has. Imagine there were four quaternions of soldiers, 16 soldiers guarding the tomb. Four sets of four. Guarding the tomb. Nobody can pass. Let us see where they come and steal his body. And the guy rose. Left the clothes they covered him in. He was freshly dressed. I've said this over and over. Please don't let nativity Christianity, Christmas Christianity, paganistic Christianity color your understanding of the Savior. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. The stone was rolled away to let witnesses in. Can I say it again? The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. It was rolled away because, hey, that's how God thinks about you. He, in his omniscience, sees the woman running to the tomb. He sees women that cannot in any way, shape, or form roll the stone away. So he goes ahead of them. He just opens the entrance so they can get access and go and spread the news, his reason. Guarding vicinity to Magdalene. 
who thought he was the gardener. He was already appearing and disappearing in places. The, the stone was taken away to help them get in. Not to help resurrection and life get out. No, because by the time he rose, they were gathered in a place and scripture says the room was tightly shut and Jesus appeared among them. He happened, animated within them. That's the authority of the son. I'm trying to show you that his authority is limitless. It is limitless. There's no end to his authority. No end to his authority. Let's look at a few scriptures. Matthew 11. Matthew 11. I need to 27, but let's go from 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father. Look at this. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. So it seemed in your sight. All things, see 27. All things. How many things? How many things? All things have been delivered to me by my father. And no one knows the son except the father. Nor does anyone know the father except the son and Alexander. Read the line until you can see your name there. No one knows the son except the father. No one knows the father except Jesus and me. Being the one whom the son willed. This was before the cross. To reveal him to me. But now we know all things. He has revealed all things to us by his spirit. All things have been delivered to me by my father. The authority of Jesus is absolute. And no difference to that of the father. Matthew 28 and 18. I keep asking all the time. Are you getting this? Matthew 28. 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying. All authority has been given to me where? And on earth. So 19 that says go therefore. Oh. Imitate. Therefore, I've told you in this house, when you are reading your Bible and see the word therefore, pause and establish what the word therefore is there for. When you come across therefore, pause and establish what the word therefore is there for. And why, what is it here for? All authority has been given to me by my father. Eh? Nobody knows me except the father and who I have chosen to reveal. Because of this, because of all the authority of the father that I have, now me, I'm telling you, go. So it wasn't just a random, arbitrary commissioning. Do you understand? Go therefore. And say, no, 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 no. It was, you cannot say go therefore and ignore the authority that backs up the assignment. All things have been delivered to me by my father. Let's look at a few more scriptures. John 3. John 3, we need, we need verse 30. Five, straight up. The father loves the son and has given how many things? Into his hand. 
The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Hebrews chapter 2. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 5. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. Stay here. Flip to TPT. Let's people understand this in a modern easy language. For God will not place the coming world of which we speak under the government of angels. So those of us, and that's why this same Hebrews here talks about, Colossians 2 already talks about being careful to not get into the worship of angels. And in Hebrews chapter 1, he says, what are angels? To which of the angels did he ever say thy throne? So you are here glorifying angels. When Hebrews says that are angels not ministering spirits to heirs of salvation, angels actually start even ministering before you get to salvation heirs of salvation other translation says those that are destined to be saved glorify angels angels all over here i've said it over and over where i am me alexander victor where i'm speaking angels don't talk they can't dare to speak when i'm speaking when i'm speaking angels don't talk they have no place they have no right no audacity to utter a word. They are privileged to be spectators when I'm declaring my father's business. Angel, I'm speaking with my father in whose image I'm created. An angel is to say what? To say what? Where we are sat is not the realm of angels. Family is talking, house help. You come and stand inside. I think uh, what I have to say is, and then I'm speaking to my father, and then my, my other younger brother, or my twin brother, or my elder brother, say, quiet, 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 quiet. Houseboy is coming. Quiet, houseboy is coming. If you get up and move now, houseboy will jam you. Something will happen to you. Think about it, believer. Think about it. You're afraid of it. Quiet, don't move. There's angels here. Ah! Ah! Angels. So angel came in. And I should stop moving. How? Colossians 2. Colossians 2. 16. Let no one judge you. We are in Hebrews 2. Remember, we'll go back. Let no one judge you in food or in drink. Or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are, can you see all of those things I mentioned? Food and drink, festival, new moon, and Sabbath, which are shadows of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. Intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head. So you're either holding and worshiping angels or you're holding fast to the head. There are angels here. So what? Ooh. Angels. Ooh. So that the angel would do what? 
How they, they brought they brought blessing. No, no, no. Angel cannot handle. He cannot touch. He cannot do business. We cannot even be courier of what is mine. The father delivered it to me in me in person. No, no, no. My name is not Mary. No. My name is not Joe. It's Angel, 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 Angel. So now magnify Angel. Where? Peter was caught up in a vision. He heard God, saw God, God speaking to him. Hebrews chapter 1. Give us the message. Did God ever say to an angel, You are my son? Today I celebrate you. Or I'm his father. He's my son. Please, we're in Hebrews 1 5. Today I celebrate you. Romans 8.15. We'll come back here. Hebrews 2. Stay with me. Romans 8.15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry what angels cannot dream of. Galatians 4. 5 and 6. Galatians 4, 5 and 6. Okay. Go, go back to verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive, we might receive the adoption as sons. See verse 6. And because you, Hebrews 1, 5, did God ever say to an angel, you're my son, Galatians 4 6. Let's see it from the top. Say in this message, you can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out. <laughs> Tippity. Crying out, Papa. And, and so that we would know for sure that we are his true children. God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts. Moving us to cry out intimately. My father! Angel has been there. He skipped angel. Came to me. Brought me into sonship. Now this realm, angels don't know what it is. That's why they asked him, what is man? Believer, you, are, you don't know how much you are sitting on. Or sitting in more like you don't know there's nothing that will dampen your reality as a believer once your eyes are open to see your place we have been cheated for too long are you not tired you're not tired angels angel 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 shut the door nobody should move angels just walked in when is the angel saying keep quiet stop speaking a son is talking that's the reality around God's throne. The, 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 the audio engineer in heaven switches off the volume of angels because a son is speaking. You don't say nothing until we're done because we are sons. Like our elder brother. I don't know about you, but may I make a boast in my elder brother. When Hebrews 2 and verse 5, the authority of Jesus. Best in the song. 
So you can understand where we are with this, right? Hebrews 2.5. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. Do you understand the whole journey now? So this is a quick crash course on angels. Just to understand this verse properly. Angels here. Angels. Ooh. Angels. And you see believers are afraid. Because a man told you that your servants are in the room. You sent your driver to go and buy something with the car. You're there talking with your wife. Your driver honks. They open the gate. Driver's back. Ah, let's stop. Let's stop. Driver's back. And then these prophets speak like they and the angels have personal contract. Contract. The world to come is not subject to angels. Continue. Six. But one testified in a certain place saying, what is man? Please go back. Oh, Holy Spirit, help these people to see this. It was David that said it too. But who said it? One of the angels. Go back to verse five. When I say things, I don't just, you go and check. He has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, verse 6. But one of them testified in a certain place saying, what is man? This thing is not in the remit of angels. That's why one angel was even talking about man. Do you understand? What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. Angels are like, ah, how far we, we are here. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And set him over the works of your hands. David said this. Everybody including David. Including pastors today. Are still referencing that psalm about us. Not understanding that that is a messianic scripture. Referring to this son. And you set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things. How many things? How many things? How many things? Who testified? An angel. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him. Look at this. He left nothing that is not put under him. Give us the message. Verse 8. Then you put them, Eugene Patterson did not catch it. In charge of your entire handcrafted world. When God put him in charge of everything. Nothing was excluded. TPT. For you have placed everything under his authority. This means that God has left nothing outside the control of his son. Even if presently we don't have yet to see this accomplished. There is nothing that can be controlled. That is not under the control of the son. Nothing. His authority is absolute. He knew it. John 17, 5. He knew it. He knew it. He knew. John 17 and 5. And now, O oh Father, he's praying. You know that long prayer he prayed? Long recorded prayer. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself. Look at what Jesus is saying. The audacity. With the glory which I had with you. Good old King James. KJV. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. TPT. Before the world was. So, my Father, restore me back. Jesus that was born of Mary. Roughly 32-ish years old at this time. 
Restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face to face before the universe was created. Co-equal. Same substance before creation. Same authority. Message. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor. The very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. I hope with these few points of mine. He has been able to convince you that Jesus has absolute authority. Don't forget the series, Imitate. Let's switch it a knob higher, shall we? I said to you that the authority of Jesus is limitless. I also want to announce to you that Jesus never, ever uses the authority that he has of the Father that is limitless outside the Father. Now, Jesus never, ever stepped outside the remit of the approval of the Father with all the authority of the Father that he has. I'm teaching you imitate. Stay with me. Then you understand that Elijah is not your example. You understand that Elisha is not your example. Even Peter and the apostles at the time where Ananias and Sapphira died are not your example. You cannot draw doctrine from two people dying because they lied. You should, you should be dead. The Peter himself should be dead. When you are strengthened, strengthen your brethren. I prayed for you that your strength will not fail. Peter's survival was a result of the intercession of Jesus. Don't come and use Peter as an example to me because Ananias and Sapphira died. Don't do that. Let's rightly divide the word of truth. Cut out all the nonsense. No, Peter is not my example for mercy and grace and forgiveness and tolerance. No, he at that point took his eyes off his example. Because if God in Jesus intended to kill, Jesus should have killed at least once. So please don't come and tell me that Jesus or Holy Spirit killed Ananias and Sapphira. That's not the example Jesus gave us. Now there's all kinds of theological explanations. The apostolic power that has worked that time to bring great fear upon, but there was really fear before Ananias and Sapphira died. And that's reverent fear. Before you get up and say, Elijah is my example. Elijah called fire. The God of Elijah does not exist. If you called on the God of Elijah and somebody answered, it was the devil. It was the devil using a familiar appearance as the God of Elijah. That's what, what do you think familiar spirit means? Think now. A spirit that takes on a mode of something that is familiar to you. Something you will pay to receive. Something that you, are, you, are, you have an understanding. So everybody is confused because Saul went to, to, to the witch at Endor and said, Someone me Samuel. And Samuel showed up and everybody feels like, ah, necromancy. You know, it's, it's a scriptural thing. Who showed up is the question. Who showed up? And what did God take advantage of who showed up to say? Because I warned you, there's no host that he's not Lord of. <laughs> Someone means Samuel. Eh? She called a familiar spirit, not Samuel. Samuel could not have come back. It's appointed unto men once to die. If Samuel could have showed up that time, then Abraham had no right in that parable to tell the rich man that he cannot send Lazarus back. Yes. Let's, let's see, most times we're reading scripture in isolation. You read one account, you read it in isolation. Join the whole thing together. Understand the full counsel of God. 
If Samuel came back, then what that story that Jesus said is a lie. Jesus lied. No, that's even that's not go to impossible yet. Thank, I like that. That's the right posture. Because it's not, do you understand? But if Samuel came back from the dead because a witch summoned him, then Jesus lied when he said that parable that nobody can come back from the dead. Nobody can come from here to there. Nobody can come from there to here. And that's why everybody, I say it on good authority, in today's age that gets up and said, I went to hell and I came back with a message from the Lord. It's a lie. It is on this authority that I say that. Jesus said that if they do not receive the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets was not the 631 laws. It was referring to the message of the law and the prophets. Do you understand? When Jesus said in that parable that if they don't receive the law and the prophets, he explains that in Luke 24. Oh, you slow of heart to believe all that the scriptures have written. It was not written that the son of man will go through. So the message of the law and prophets is Christ. So when Jesus said in that parable that um, Abraham, Father Abraham said, which is the type of the father, saying that if they don't believe the law and the prophets, it was not believe thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. It was believe the message of the law and the prophets. Then Jesus said that even if somebody were to go back from the dead, they would not listen. How come now the goalposts have changed? And the same Jesus that said, that if nobody can come back from the dead to preach this message, it's the same Jesus now waking up and sending people all over to die and come back and bring a message that he said was impossible. Who has bewitched the church? Jesus personally sponsoring the tour. Taking them. Go back and tell my people. But you said that nobody, if they don't hear from this thing, if anybody comes from the dead, they will not listen. Sir, excuse me. Are you not, it's not written of you that you're not a man that you should lie or the son of man that you should change your mind. At what point have you now changed your mind and you are now using people from the dead to come and say what was impossible? And you will not ask questions. Because a bishop came and said, I endorse this testimony. Let every man be a liar. Let God be true. How? So there's things that we are perpetuated. So this, some people are not your model, sir. That's why Paul says, follow those who have followed us in following this pattern. Because you will end up like who you are following. You end up like who you are following. So it's important what pattern you are imitating. Let's stick to the pattern of Jesus. Jesus. What he began both to do and teach. Full stop. In their evolution of their walk with God, these guys got it wrong every now and then. They did. They did. Even Paul. Paul got so overwhelmed in his flesh. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May God recompense him according to his works. There begins to now be a debate until you understand that that was the humanity in Paul speaking. They understand that that was the humanity in Paul. At that point, it was not Paul speaking to teach them doctrine. It was him transmitting his pain. That's why I said you follow and you learn even their mistakes and choose to not do it. Jesus is the pattern. And in men, people who are following his pattern are the pattern. You can't follow men that kill. When the ministry he gave us was that of reconciliation. Where are we? Jesus never used authority without approval. It was limitless, but he was under control. Let me show you a few scriptures. John 5. John 5.30. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, this is Jesus speaking. I can of myself do nothing. 
Hello, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Hello, all things have been delivered to the son. Hello, glorify me with the glory I have had with you from when the world began. Hello, he has put all things subject to him. Hello, of myself, I can do nothing. All authority is of God. All authority of God is vested in the son. But of himself, he can do nothing. Wow. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is righteous. Because I do not seek my own will. But the will of the father who sent me. My judgment is righteous. In other words, the intention of my action is right because it is in line with the Father's will. So this was was not a moralistic good behavior righteousness. His judgment was right simply because his heart was set on his Father's will and not his. In other words, Jesus had limitless authority but brought it under control to use it only as the Father wills. Because he is, after all, the explanation of the father. So could Jesus have killed? Yes. Because the ability is present. Are you following me? Could he have judged? Yes. No one condemns you. Neither do I. Go and sing no more. Why didn't he say to her, stop singing so that you will not be condemned? He said, go and sing no more. Because he didn't come to condemn. John 3.17. For the son of man. You know we all know John 3.16. Well, most Christians don't know the verse that follows. For God did not send his son into the world. To condemn the world. So if anybody is condemning. That's not the pattern we receive from Jesus. I don't care if they are a bishop. Or reverend. The pattern is as Jesus handed down. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world. So Paul picks up that pattern and announces in chapter 8 of Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation. There's no condemnation. And so you might feel like wanting to condemn by your own moralistic standards, but who are you? Tell a neighbor, my friend, follow the pattern. The word is given for application. To become, you must behold and follow. Follow the pattern. There's no condemnation in the pattern. For God did not send his, you think God does not know, if anybody should define condemnation, is he who is the person that feels offended. The person that is offended is the one that should stipulate the tenets of condemnation. It says there's no condemnation. Romans 8.33 Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Tipity, that first statement. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them. Tell your neighbor, final verdict. When Supreme Court gives a judgment, where do you want to go? It is God that justifies. Why didn't he say it is God that condemns? Or it is God that imputes sin? Who is he that lays a charge against God's elect? It is God that justifies cancelling the charge you are justified just as if I had never sinned 
justified. Just as if I had never committed adultery. Just as if I had never had the abortion. Just as if I had never taken drugs. Just as if I had never killed anybody. Just as if you are justified. Just as if I had never. Just as if I had never messed up. Where do you want to pass and condemn somebody? Tell your neighbor, we have not so learned Christ to. You see now why I tell you that this thing is not confession, 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 confession. It's not confession. No, the, the word, the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. First Corinthians 4.20. It's not in words, but in power. We're not called to condemn. He did not condemn. He had the authority to condemn. He still has it. It's not because Jesus is a sissy that you are justified. No, some weakling, he just fell in love. He just, he cannot bear to condemn us. No, he just chose the remit of exercising his authority. You should learn to do the same. Imitate. Are you here? You should learn to do the same. He had authority. Never. If, if God is capable of something that he wants to be known for doing, Jesus should have done it. If Jesus did not do it, then that is not how God intended to be known. Anything anybody says is what Paul calls doctrine of demons. But any other gospel is, is another gospel which is not another. It's not another. It's not another. It's not another. He is the pattern. Whatever Jesus did not do is not how God intended to be known. If he wanted to punish everybody who disobeys, Luke 9 gave us an opportunity for him to show it. You know the story about the, the guys that did not accept him? I showed you that a couple of weeks ago. And James and John said, should we call down from fire from heaven to consume them like the days of Elijah? Jesus said, do you not know what manner of spirit you are of? Luke 9 from 48 all the way down. If, if there was something that God wants to be known by, Jesus should have exemplified it. The apostles should have exemplified it. Should have. And the same Paul who is caught up in his physical pain at another point quickly understands and he says, you know what? Um, take John Mark and bring him to me. He's profitable. The same person you fought over and separated from Barnabas on account of. And that's what made Paul not travel with Silas. And John Mark went to Barnabas and left. The same person, by the time Paul overcame his pain, Say, John Mark, he's useful after all. And that's why I have learned how to love people right through with their mess. Because I realized if I love you long enough, long, you will get to the point where you are profitable for ministry. People around will think I'm stupid and I'm indulging you. Because they have not understood the pattern. So they think I'm slow to cut off a cancer. Don't think I'm slow to decisively deal with something. No, no, no. We are loving you unto profitability. You're not profitable now. If we keep at you long enough, you will bring profit for ministry. Because that's the pattern we have seen, sir. If we keep throwing everybody, Jesus said, Jesus said, have I not chosen 12 of you? And one is a devil. He didn't just knew. He chose the devil for the devil's work. In fulfilling prophecy. It wasn't that a devil came. 
and Jesus just knows that the devil came. No, Jesus chose Judas for the devil. Do you understand? There's an element of the ministry of Jesus that required devilic assistance. And the vessel of the devil was chosen. Tell a neighbor, follow the pattern. He did not use his authority outside the Father. John 6, 38. Here authority is speaking. Authority says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Are you beginning to understand now why I've said you are born again? If you don't exercise your sonship in the earth, it's of no use to the body. Are you getting it now? No, and I've said over and over, nobody's doubting your salvation. Nobody's doubting your eternal security. But if it is not being used to enact the will of the Father in the earth, it is useless to the earth. So if you're happy to be saved and just pass time, suit yourself. But that's when you will stand and your works will be tested with fire. He says, I have not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This was the normal posture of Jesus. John 8, 16. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true for I am not alone, but I am with the father who sent me. If I judge, my judgment is true because I'm not alone. I'm not exercising authority outside the will of my father. Jesus does not use his authority outside the father. Jesus did not use his authority for personal benefit either. He never used his authority to benefit himself. And you see this pattern in the apostles as well. Look for. Look for. From verse 1. It's going to be a bit of a long read. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Duh. 40 days. And the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. In other words, caused all the kingdoms of the world to flash before him in an instant. And the devil said to him, all this authority. <laughs> the guy has been lying for me a very long time. <laughs> all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me. And I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then Satan brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written. It's like he's in just charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall sit and quote in Bible. In their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. 12. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, 
shall not tempt the Lord your God. 13. And when the devil ended every temptation, every year, he departed from him until. So it's not all the temptations of Jesus that were recorded. At any point in time, Jesus could have used authority. I mean, what is the big deal in him making stone bread? Somebody who can raise stones to praise him can definitely raise stones to feed him. Oh, come on now. But every time you see authority under control, every time you see authority under control, in the Garden of Gethsemane, same thing. Matthew 26. Let's look at Matthew's account. I need 52, but let's go from 47. Matthew 26, 47, 4, 52. While he was still speaking, behold, Judas, mm -hmm, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, whoever I kiss, he's the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him, 51. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus, we know it's Peter, stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. He heard the words of Jesus. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Now next line. Or do you think that I cannot pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. A legion is between 4,000 and 6,000 soldiers. That's one legion. A French legion is 6,000. So a German legion is about 4,000. It's a legion of soldiers. So between 4,000 and 6,000 soldiers is one legion. And just at that point where you are drawing a sword, he had access to 12 legions. We're looking at about 70,000 angels in a garden, one garden, if Jesus wanted. Now, do you know what that tells me? Do you know what that tells me? And that is even the more humbling thing about the authority of Jesus under control. Do you think I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide authority would have honored authority regardless of approval father help these people to see what i'm showing them in this imitate series it's not there are two different things here there's the possibility of what jesus could do and there's the assurance of the response of the father jesus was saying that at that point he could have said i have 70,000 and god would have sent it because elijah's fire did not fall from hell that's why these guys in luke 9 were asking to call fire from where because it turns out authority is without repentance or else it cannot be said to be absolute. All things are of the Father. All things of the Father are subject to the Son. If the Son acts, it's the Father that acted. 
So the son had to learn to discipline himself to the father's will. Otherwise, he would have acted in a way that makes us start to perceive God for what God is not. Like Elijah did. So the use or the exercise of authority is not the hallmark of approval. So we now start to look at God a certain way simply because heaven answered Elijah. Elijah had authority. He used it outside God's will. I repeat, the fire gift did not fall from hell. So you have to be careful to understand that we have authority but he has to be subject to the approval of the father in order to reveal his true character. He prayed and somebody died. It's not the will of the father. You prayed and somebody was fired. It's not the will of the father. Let's not even talk about who answered you. <laughs> he never used his authority for personal benefit. Ever. He always bound himself to the mind of the father. And guess what you have been given? Again, I'm going ahead of myself. You have been given the spirit of God so that you can understand the mind of the father. So in other words, a believer, though it might have the authority to act outside God's will, should not be able to. Do you understand? A believer has free will, but is no longer free. So, so it's one of the biggest delusions as a son of God to believe you can do whatever you like. And this is the gospel. You can't do whatever you like. Even though you can. But you can't. How can you do whatever you like when you understand what brought you to the point where you can even do whatever you like. But if you understand the price that brought you to the point where you can do whatever you like and you can, the price is that big. It is. But inside your knowing you can do whatever you like is embedded the knowing that you can do whatever you like. And a lot of us are guilty of that. I'm free, I'm free, I can do whatever I like. I don't care, I don't care. You have not learned Christ. Because it's easy to say, yes, now I am the word made flesh. Oh yeah, do and teach. Because when the word came, he began to do and teach. So you, word made flesh, do and teach. Imitate. And he, the word that had absolute authority, kept it under control. Subject to the mind of the father. Calling Herod a fox was Jesus blessing him. Compared to what Jesus was capable of doing. Are you, hey, are you hearing me? Jesus saying go and tell that fox. Was Jesus being nice? Extending mercy to Herod. Otherwise the next thing you would have heard is while Jesus was yet speaking. Hello. A fire proceeded from inside Herod and burnt him up alive. To show that thou shalt not despise Yeshua Hamashiach. While he was yet, that's, that's, that would have been the next line. 
Let me tell that fox I don't have time for him. And that's the end. What you would have taken personal. If I be a man of God, shut up! You are not a man of God. He never used authority for himself. Ever. He bound himself to it. Hebrews 5, 5 to 9. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. He had all of, are you here? He had how many authority? All. So Jesus could have sat and said, you know what? From today henceforth, because of the authority of my father, I am the high priest. And Paul said, it, you'll see it now in Philippians 2. Paul said it could not have been referred to as robbery. Yes, sir. Yes, 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 yes. In other words, Jesus sitting down. Those of you that are arguing and following people that are saying that Jesus cannot be worshipped. You are following fully. You are following doctrine of demons. He cannot be worshipped because he's of a different substance. Then you are a Muslim. You are a Muslim. Because he sits down there. He has the authority. And Jesus, knowing that he's God, was not Jesus robbing God of glory. Let's go there first. Philippians 2.5 Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. In other words, Jesus was the one that gave God form. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've told you over and over that Jesus is the God we can do business with. So being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, did not consider being equal with God as robbing God of his godness. It, it, it was and is consistent for Jesus to be equal with God. Do you understand? If God could not create outside Jesus, it means Jesus is the creative ability of God. So whatever Jesus created is what God creates. Why have I said all this? That it will not have been anything for Jesus to say, this high priest, I think he fits me. After all, I have all the authority of God. I created everything. So ain't no biggie about me making myself high priest. After all, I can. Jesus, like some of you now are saying, can do all things. But Jesus did not do all things. He did not do all things. He could. He could. He had the authority to do all things at all times. But he didn't. Whose pattern have we followed? Whose pattern have we followed? Now against this backdrop, go back to Hebrews chapter 5. And verse 5. So also, Christ, Holy Spirit, help me. Father, glorify me with the glory I've had with you before there was even a world. He did not glorify himself, but he had this glory with the Father from before the world began. Yet, he did not glorify himself to become high priest. But he waited until it was given to him. Give us a TPT. So also, Christ was not self-appointed. 
and did not glorify himself by becoming a high priest. Even though he could. But God called and glorified him. He waited until the time appointed by the father. So you see, we can get swallowed up in entitlement. And refuse to grow into sonship. Part of sonship is acknowledging that your father is your boss. It's you and Jesus that are mates. You and the father are not mates. It's your father. Are you hearing me? You are joint heirs with the son. Of the father. Paul said in Corinthians that God put all things subject to Jesus but God himself did not put himself subject to Jesus. So in the dimension of dealing with the Godhead you will understand the dimension of the son and understand the dimension of the father. One God. Before you got, get up and feel I am God. Nobody called you that. I am the father. Nobody called you that. That's the devil speaking. There's no level of revelation. Are you hearing me? No level of revelation. I am the father. That's why there's some recent new age reformers that cannot worship God anymore. Can't worship God because you know, you are now in one with the father and you are still here. Eh? You are still here doing what? How manage? Because by now you should be on the throne, on the left hand side of the father. Because the right hand side is occupied by Jesus. No be so. If not, at the rate some of them are going at the front hand side of the father. You and the father one, you are still here. No, no, no. We are on a journey until. Everybody is on a journey until. And the gifts of the spirit are necessary for your life and development until. Or else you are antichrist. We are all, as long as we are in this body of flesh, we are all on a journey until. And because we are on that journey, the gifts of the spirit are at work in your life until. Because to ignore the gift of the spirit, to say you are one with God, is to terminate the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life now. And little wonder most of these people are not working with the spirit. They're just working with a knowledge intellectually of the spirit. Do you know what I'm saying? Somebody can have an intellectual conversation with you about the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean the person is working with the Holy Spirit. Somebody can know about how the Holy Spirit uses people and not be used by the Holy Spirit. Because to deny that is to deny the current ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's to tell yourself you have graduated you. The Holy Spirit has already successfully delivered you to the Father. That's why I say, what are you still doing here? Leave us and Holy Spirit who he is still doing ministry inside. Because some of us don't want to ever be so big boys that we are on the earth and the Holy Spirit has finished working in us. No. So it's authority, sonship, is understanding and acknowledging the will of your father. Not thinking that it grants you the ability to do anything you like, even though it does. Because Jesus showed us that pattern. Paul shows us that pattern. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Necessity is laid upon me. I want to do one thing. I find myself not doing that. But one thing I do, forsaking this. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He's always subjecting himself 
to the will of the Father. That's the imitate doctrine. It's doctrine. You notice, it's not suggestion. <laughs> it's doctrine. From many, many scriptures, rightly divided. It's a doctrine. It's not a suggestion. It's not just advice. It's doctrine for life, for life and godliness. Imitate the Lord Jesus. Imitate those who are following his example and therefore setting you a pattern. That's why in this house, me, I do not kill people. You cannot be here and say I'm your pastor. When you leave here, you go and branch somewhere else and try to kill somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? No. Here, I do not judge anybody. You cannot be in the same church meeting as I am in. I didn't judge you. And then you get up and judge your sister. You are wicked. Because we are trying to show you a pattern. I will rebuke you so strongly you will feel absolutely crushed. I'm looking for you later. I don't expect you to have moved because I reprimanded you. If you move, it's your loss. How you know I love you is that I chase you every single time, even when I don't want to be on your matter. And I, I'm looking for you afterwards. I don't, where did you go? Why are you committing the same stupid sin Adam and Eve committed? When, you, when you're no longer the old man. Genesis 3. Where, Adam, where are you? You think God didn't know where they were hiding? So the question he was asking them was not one of geographical location. It was one of their position in him. Through Christ. The tree of life. You have been eating tree of life. Then you ate one from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And you disqualified yourself. He put trees in the garden. He says all of them were good for food. Including the tree of life. He says don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So eating of that in itself was not enough to disqualify them. From a tree of life that was theirs to partake in. So as long as the tree of life was in the garden. Their position in God should not have changed. So God asked them where why did you move? Why did you give up your position? Because of tree of... I did not move you. I knew you would move. But I didn't move you. Hey, we, we, we were ashamed. Hey, where are you? We are ashamed. How does that answer the question? He didn't say, how are you feeling? He says, where are you? Why has your location change. You think God didn't know they had fallen? You think he didn't know where they shifted to? But he expected to find them exactly at the same place of fellowship, even in their fall. In the cool of the day, he will come and converse with man. So when he came in at the usual time, having already known that they had fallen, in fact, having foreknown that they would fall, expected to meet them in their fall at the place of fellowship. And you come and condemn somebody. When God himself was where? Who told you that you are naked? That was, that, was what, that was God's problem. Did I tell you? Was it me that told you? Or was it fruit? Or was it Satan? Or was it the law? Was it voices? Did I ever tell you? Is it from my mouth? You, have you ever heard from my mouth that you are naked? And by virtue of that, they realized he, he quickly covered them. Because it's not God that told you that you are naked. He expected to find them in the place of fellowship. And then we get up. Who have we learned? Who are we imitating? 
because I have seen God explained in Jesus. I have seen the apostles follow that example. I am not perfect in my human work, but I am dead set on being that example. And whoever will come with me, and whoever will come with me, whoever will follow me, because he has made it clear how he intends to be known. So you see us love people in spite of. Be patient with people in spite of. It's because we are waiting until you come into profitability. In the things of the spirit. And if you are yielded, you will. Most times you are the one delaying yourself. Because rather than feel challenged, you feel attacked. Rather than feel stretched, you feel disturbed. Rather than feel in need to be matured, you feel like we are stressing you. You, con- you. you confuse a stretch for stress. You're the one who's delaying yourself. Because there's a pattern to follow. And he has showed us the pattern. In forgiveness, we'll see it. In handling betrayal, we have seen it. While you are there allowing religion to twist your mind about where Judas is. We'll see it in betrayals. I, I am the bread of life. I am the bread. Nobody that eats this bread will perish. And they carried bread and gave Judas. Or you eat bread quickly. You have eaten? Because you see, your assignment, you must fulfill it. Your prophetic ministry, you must fulfill it. Eat bread. Have you eaten it? Now go. Go and do your assignment. I hear believers arguing about son of perdition, known as being lost. You go and read it. And, I, and he said this that it might be made known. When Jesus, when they came to him in the garden to arrest him. And he said, hey, it's me you seek. Let them go. And this was written that it might be known. It might be fulfilled what was written. That of the ones you have given me, none was lost. It was referring to physical death. Not spiritual death. Because if it was spiritual death, Jesus would not have been telling them in the garden, don't kill them. Let them go. It's me you came for. And that would contradict him because he says, do not be afraid of anybody that can kill just your body. But of him that can kill your body and your soul. You must understand scripture in a holistic sense of it. Always interreference, cross-reference scripture to get full light. It would have been contradiction for him. He said, why, if, if he says, don't be afraid of who can kill you physically, why is he then begging these guys? Uh, if it's going to be spiritual death. These Romans cannot kill these people spiritually. These Roman soldiers can only kill the disciples physically. So that would have been nothing to be afraid of. He says, don't, don't kill them. So that you'll be written, or the ones that you give me in this ordeal, I'm the only one that died. The narrative would have been different if Jesus died for sin and some disciples died with him. Ah, are you following me? Hey, some of the disciples helped him to shed blood. So it was important that no other person dies willingly with him. Don't, no, no, don't, don't, don't do that. No, it's, I'm, the, I'm the only lamb. It's one now, I'm the only lamb. I'm the only lamb. Calm down. It might be written that the ones you gave me, none was lost. None died. Somebody rose. He had no even reason. He just died. His blood hits the ground. Graves began to shoot open. And dead people were coming to life. And their relatives were seeing them before they checked out. Because it was not a permanent resurrection. It was a type of what was coming. And it's Judas that was there and didn't come out. When he took the key of hell and death. So even if you sent Judas there, 
when he went there and took the key, he couldn't have come out. These are elemental things. These are basic things that church is fighting over themselves over. If you eat this thing, reminiscent of my body, I'm giving you eternal life. Even if you die, you will not perish. You will live again. Why didn't he send Judas out just before he fed them eternal life? You're here pointing fingers. You look at somebody, you are convinced this person is useless. Like John Mark and Paul. Wait, they will step into profitability for ministry. That's the pattern of Christ we're imitating. His authority, absolute. His authority under control. His authority, selfless, never using it to look after himself. I mean, imagine Jesus standing outside Jerusalem and say, go, you will find a colt that has never been ridden. Tell the owner, the master has need of it. Why did Jesus need a colt? When he will give his angels charge over you because Satan was correct, he was not wrong. When Jesus can call legions of angels, Jesus could have been going into Jerusalem at the triumphant entry, floating in the clouds. He had the authority to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? The clouds could have borne him up because he's the son of righteousness. He could have been floating on the clouds into Jerusalem and everybody would have gone, wow, worship him. Don't kill him. You would not have even crossed their minds that they have the power to kill Jesus. And that means his authority wrongly applied would have been his undoing. His authority wrongfully applied would have been his undoing. And you know that the clouds would have answered to him. For by faith we understand, Hebrews 11.3, that the walls were created by the word of God. The word could not have called forth anything. Faith empowers us. Stay there in tippities. Okay. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's word. He spoke. Christ. By faith we understand, King James or New King James says, that the walls were created or framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are seen. Hey, who will, who, who, who will, which cloud? Have you heard what God was asking Job? Do you know where I store clouds? Do you know where I store hailstone? Do you know where I store thunder? And then Jesus will call a cloud to carry him and the cloud will not come. It will because he's God. So he would have acted as God, but not as the father. Are you guys getting this? He would have acted as, and what would they have seen? Ah, the father. Because Jesus is the explanation of the father. They would have seen the father, how he did not intend to be known. So you must be careful that your liberty is not portraying God in a way that he does not intend to be seen. Or else you are not a son. Our sonship must portray God. In the way that he intends to be seen. That's when we are exercising authority under control. Because listen to me, sir. All things are yours. It's not a lie. First Corinthians 6. Hey, all things are lawful. First Corinthians 10. You can do all things. It's not a lie. But you can't do what you like. Just because you can. Please don't forget that. You can't do what you like. Just because you can. This is a game changer. Imitate. 
that you begin to pattern Jesus, pattern the apostles, in our own little way, pattern us as we follow that pattern. The prayers you don't see me praying, you shouldn't pray. The things you don't hear me say, you shouldn't say. The way you don't see me relate to people, you shouldn't be caught dead relating to people like that. Do you understand what I said? Even your dead body should not be caught relating to people the way that we don't. Words that you don't hear from our mouths, you shouldn't be caught dead uttering. Who are you following? But Paul says, confidently, Paul says, you are our epistles written, not on tablets of stone, but on the hearts of men. Paul was confident that if they see the church, they should see the apostles. If they see the apostles, they've seen Christ. If they've seen Christ, they've seen God. Did you hear what I said? That's the pattern. That's the pattern. It's doctrine. I'm telling you, you don't know it. That all that Paul spent missionary journeys teaching the churches. All he spent laboring. Paul sat in one place at one time for 18 months as a guest minister. Yeah. Teaching every day and every night. One gospel. And still wrote to them and said, I want you to know. Imagine teaching for 12, 14, 16 hours every day for 18 months. One message. You still write them and say, I'm, I'm praying for you that you will know. We have not scratched it. We haven't scratched it. What is available to us through Christ. That's why you, some of you are struggling to call his name. Struggling to respond in worship. You have no revelation. You have none. Or you have intellectual information, which is different from revelation. Because revelation is active by design. <laughs> do you understand? It's not passive. Revelation by design is active. It activates you to do. It's only intellectual information that could possibly be passive. That's what we're coming into in this season. Where we're observing and following the pattern. Following the pattern. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.